0: first john again first john chapter number five and we finally have reached the last chapter of first john i looked at i think we've had a total in this series of first john going from chapter one on i think we've had a total of 13 sermons on this and what's funny about that is that we did one sermon for all of the first chapter so we've crammed only 12 sermons in the last three chapters so that's why they call it a series but anyhow um before we uh, start tonight, and, and of course I got the board out here again, and uh, I want to start off with a question, and again, I'm not trying to trick you or anything like that, but I want your help tonight. Um, when you think about commandments, what do we naturally think about? Like the Ten Commandments, right? That's something that comes to our mind. But what do we mean when the Bible says, where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments? Now what I want us to look at tonight is this, is what, is, what are some ideas, what do you feel like are some commandments that God has given you that you need to keep? Some commandments, because like we all think, well, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt. But what are some commandments that you can think of that you can apply to your life or to Christians in general today? Can and this is where you're allowed to talk and give back. Anything? Okay, love others. Love others, as you said, you love yourself. That's right. Okay, what else? Be kind, what? Humble. Humble, went us kind with that as well. I'm trying to avoid doing the, the the fall off the cliff here. I'm trying to do my penmanship there. What else? Being a good okay, being a good witness, and uh, I can put testimony. How that be? Because I have witness and testimony. Witness, testimony. Yep. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, you're right. We could definitely do that. Go tell, be the witness. Go tell, tell others. Testimony. I'm sorry. Trusting God. Yeah. Just because you're saved doesn't mean we always trust God. Trust God in all the things in our life. Okay. Yeah. The idea of giving. And that can be in many things. That's financial. That's time. That's effort. That's, you know, not just money resource. I'm kind of amazed. There was a couple I thought y'all would just scream out right off the bat. You're standing in one. Go to church. Hey, there we go. I was like, man, we've got to back up. We've got to know. Okay. All right, so go to church. Okay. Y'all made me get scared there for a moment. Go to church. What else? Okay, read the Bible. Read the Bible. I heard someone say forgive. I'm pretty sure that was my wife that said that. Forgive. Can I go ahead and put pray down here? We'll get that one down. What else? Can I think of anything else? Yeah, not just pray and all that, but meditate. Yeah, that's good. Kind of forget that the older I get. Memorize scripture. Anybody here got children? Okay. Okay. Good. All right. You're like I've already said that. I gotta love other people. All right, so to uh, to rear your children, anything else? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to put the word tongue right here. <laughs> tongue, kind of going on with children as far as in your, uh, we'll just jumble it up in this, relationships, that's in your relationships with your spouse, with your friends, and Co-workers, I do. I know I knocked out a whole lot there. What else? <laughs> okay. Anger's a good one, yeah. So our anger, our temper, our temperament. Yeah, yeah. Honor, parents. How about how about obey authority? You're like, amen. I wish the children could hear that. Well, I think it continues the older we get. There's still authority in our life. We gotta obey. Anything else? You're like, thanks a lot, Phil. I'm officially depressed. Okay, good. There you go. Thank you. I wanted to hear that. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. Nobody likes me. Nobody's friendly. Well, I got a good idea why. All right, here you got fellowship, okay, what else? Think of anything else that you feel like commanded to do? Like nope, that's pretty much as much as yeah, hey, to teach others, but also disciple, all right. Hey, I like it. Praise the Lord, worship, sing. What's that? Serve. Serve, yes. Serve others. Serve. Period. There you go. What? What? Yeah, showing grace, showing. Y'all don't know this, but if we keep it up long enough, I'm just going to turn and pray. We go home. No, I'm kidding. Anybody say like that? Yes. Genuine. Yeah. Genuine. Christian. Genuine Christian life. Okay. Tive. I can put, so we can do... Yeah, I'll, I'll do that up there. Give, tive. Go up there. Did I miss something? I'm sorry. That's good enough, right? We can that If we can accomplish that in life, we're doing great, right? <laughs> All right. Very good. All right, so... Those are some things we feel like today. Because like I said, when you read Scripture and it says, um, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. That word commandments always has the Moses connotation, doesn't it? It's like, all right, I'm thinking about Moses. I'm thinking, I don't kill anybody. I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. I'm not making any, um, you know, I'm not a false witness against my neighbor. I'm not making an idol. I'm good. But, that's not all what it entails with the commandments. When Jesus says, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Pretty much everything on this list involves one of those two great commandments, right? Pretty much everything here talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And what's the other one, Todd? Love your neighbor as yourself. And I know we probably could continue and go on. And it, uh, it's interesting, a lot of these things we do, some of these things are who we are to be. Now, we could probably stay on here, too, or some things we shouldn't do, some things we didn't. We're like, brother really, Phil, <laughs> we're doing good enough on things we're supposed to do. Why are you going to make me list things I'm not supposed to do? Well, we'll get into some of that here in just a little bit. But these are all commandments, right? These are commandments. Do you feel like, overall, every Christian today should do all of these, right? Yes. Okay, good. All right, you say... All these are things that should be part of our life. They're commandments that are relevant. I hate that word when it comes to spirituality. But it is applicable to Christian life today, right? All these we can do. Good. Keep that in mind. We're going to read 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read the first five verses. Okay? 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1 through 5, it says this. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God... And everyone that loveth him, that begot loveth him, also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray and we'll get into our study, okay? Father, we just come to you this evening. Lord, I thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for the weather you've given us, Lord, and just all the ways that you've blessed us. Lord, it is a great thing to be able to gather together and and uplift some things as far as that are on our hearts, a prayer request. Lord, there's a lot of people tonight that are dealing with bereavement, Lord, and dealing with loss of of family, of friends, of loved ones, of of loved ones, Lord, that look like they may not necessarily have a lot of time left. And, Lord, I pray you might just intervene. Lord, you would give uh, a peace and all you can give. And, Lord, I pray as us, in the next few moments, as we continue to look at this in First John, Lord, I pray you would help us, Lord, to understand what you're saying. And, Lord, help us as we study your word. Forgive us of our sins where we fail you. Thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, When you look at this train of thought or thinking here, if you notice in the verses, verses 1 through 5, there's a phrase that comes out in the verse, in one of the verses that says, overcometh the world, overcoming. Now, I think if you want to say on this list here of things, what is something that gets in the way of you doing the things you feel like God's commanded you to do? One of the things is what? The world, right? What you deal with, the world, the outside influences You know, I I really believe, too, people talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil. I really feel like I can struggle enough in my Christian life. If there wasn't a world and there wasn't a devil, my flesh gets in the way a lot by itself. But the flesh gets dealt with a lot because of the worldly influences. The world sometimes and their influences and my attraction to the world keeps me from loving others, keeps me from being humble and kind, keeps me from serving, keeps me from doing a lot of these different things. But there's a particular train of thought, and if you're not careful... John here seems to repeat himself a lot in this. You're like, Brother Philly, you've talked about loving God, loving God, loving God, and loving people about as much as you can talk about. Well, I believe it's because John is really trying to get this church here at Ephesus that he's writing this letter to to understand what this means. But there's a particular train of thought here as he's closing this letter out. And you really see this. In verse 3, the first train of thought is this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. The second train of thought, and we're going to look at all three of these here in a moment. It says this. For whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And then the third thing we're going to look at, the train of thought, is this. Is that this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So I want us to look at a few things tonight. If you've got a handout there, you want to go along with this. Number one is this. Love for God is shown by joyful obedience. Love for God is shown by joyful obedience. I want us to look back at this verse here, okay? He says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. All right, so I didn't ask you to do this, but let's just say I asked you to write all these down on a piece of paper. I say, write all these commandments down that you believe apply to you in your life. Now, which of these commandments do you keep? And you sat there and wrote yes, check yes, or an X for no. But overall, you feel like here, man, I keep these commandments. I don't keep these commandments. I keep this. I don't do very well on that one. Well, I think sometimes we believe just because we obey God, we have power with God. Or just because we obey God, we show the love of God. And that's not true. Because in verse 2, what does it say? By this we know. You're going to see that phrase, know, K-N-O-W, several times in chapter number 5. And what John is trying to say, the, to know that you have eternal life or for others to have eternal life, and he gives us several things that we'll look at over the next uh, probably week or two weeks as we finish this up. And... He says here in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. So this is how we know that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how I know I love you. This is how other people know that you love me. Is by our love for God. And how do we show our love for God? By not just keeping His commandments, but keeping His commandments in a joyful obedience with that. And it means obey God's commandments without the spirit of being burdensome. Look in the verse again, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. It could have stopped there, right? But it didn't. And his commandments are not grievous. It could have been enough to say this is how we keep, that we keep his commandments. But John didn't stop there. He said, it's not enough that you go to church. It's not enough that you read your Bible. It's not enough that you obey authority. It's not enough that you use your tongue in the right way. He says, not that. He says, but that his commandments are not grievous. That means this. The true mark of love for God is joyful obedience, not begrudging obedience. Let me give you an example. Have you ever asked a child to do a task at home. And you ask them to do it. They're doing something else. They're enjoying life. You know, they're good. Hey, take out the trash. <sighs> you know, you can hear every step they take. And they get the trash. They open the door. They slam it in the trash can. They come back in, slam the door. <sighs> now back on to life the way they like it. Did they obey? Yes, they obeyed. But did they demonstrate a love for you? No. Why? Their demeanor, their personality. It was a chore. Isn't that a fun word? You ever tell somebody, as long as you do your chores, you're all right. Chores, thank you. Chores are so wonderful. I mean, even the word chore sounds grievous in by itself, you know. That's when we say, now you have some responsibilities. And I know. we dress it up a little bit sometimes. But you know, I ask somebody, if if you have people that you work with, or people that work for you, you ask them to do something. They may do it. They may do it like they're killing you. By the way, if if looks could kill, they would be harming you right now physically. Now, do they do it? Yes. But do they show love and respect for you in doing it? No. Now here's the problem that I think I have sometimes in my life spiritually and I think a lot of believers have. And I'll tell you something. I think a lot of believers have that do a lot of the things you're supposed to do. We obey, but we complain the whole time about them. There's no joy in them. Now, now you look at this list, and like I said, we can come up with a lot of stuff. To love other people, the people that you love today, people that you love today, you show love to, you show kindness to, those kind of things. Did you do it today in a joyful, excited, loving way that you wanted to do it? Or you do it, well, I oh, no am supposed to. Or any of these things you can look at. Look at the idea with this. Well, I guess I better hand that person a track. Cause if I don't have track, track, God wants me to give him. Hey, please come to church. You know they're probably super excited when someone says, hey, I got this track for you. I want you to come to church. Oh, Joy of the Lord pouring out of you. I can't wait to join your crowd. You know, that would be great. All right, it's time to give. <sighs> if I don't do it. You know what I mean? God loveth a cheerful giver, it says in the New Testament. Cheerful. When I think cheer, I think about cheering on a team that I like. I'm excited. I'm going to give it my attention. I'm going to give it my energy. He said the same thing. Can I tell you something? Don't limit worship in a service to the only, only time is when we sing. Worship is the entire service. Giving is worship. Preaching is an opportunity for you to respond in worship in your heart. It's all worship. We worship God. We glorify God in every step of it. It's all about worship. Read my Bible. Now, that's probably the practical challenge that we all get. Bible, and I was going to say go to church, but no, that's not true. Uh, as far as, i got to read my Bible today. I mean, let's just be honest. Sometimes we're like, oh, man, I forgot, almost forgot to read my Bible today. I almost forgot to read my Bible today. woo Now, let me ask you, was there any joy in that, or were you scared, basically, doing it out of fear and obligation? So many Christians today are very faithful at obeying, but not doing it. In a joyful way. Can I tell you pretty much that I can take you to scripture here and show you? If you do these things out of obligation, God says it's better you just stay home. It's better you not do it. If you're going to complain about going to church, don't go. If you're going to complain about tithing, you're going to complain about singing in the choir, you're going to complain about teaching a class, you're going to complain about honoring your parents, you're going to complain about teaching and doing that, you're going to complain about things. He's saying don't do it because it means nothing to him. Is what he's saying. Because the difference is when you do it with joy. And I'm not saying you're not tired. I mean, it's Wednesday night, right? You worked all day. You got all this going on. And you took time out of your schedule knowing that everything you probably did in your life, you just hit the pause button for a moment. And you got that still sitting there waiting on you. But here's the thing is in our lives, we have to do it with joy. Let me ask you. Let me challenge you. When's the last time you came to a church service? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. That you came with joy like, this is it. This, I'm psyched about this. I get the opportunity to go to church. I get the opportunity to pray. I get the opportunity to forgive somebody. God, help me to be more forgiving. Be prepared for people to offend you. Lord, I want to learn how to be more kind, more humble, more patient, more forgiving. I want to be... Help me, God, to be that way. Be prepared to be offended because God's going to give you the opportunity to do it. You're saying, no problem, Phil. I'm never wanting to be any of those things. Well, that's not the goal either. But when you look at these things, let's just let's just throw a kid thing up. Like, I think Nico or somebody said, memorize verses. Okay? Now, do you remember And when we had vacation Bible school coming up in June? Those kids are pretty psyched about getting that sheet and memorizing verses. Now there is some incentive, right? Man, they get the verse, they get a piece of candy for every verse they say, and for every verse they say, they get a guess at how many pieces of candy are in that loot jug. And note, Zach's daughter Allie won that last year, and we pray that she wins it every year, and it stays out of our home and in your home. I still got a picture on my phone I saw today of Allie's face. It's like, thank you, Lord. You know, we know his prayers. Are, we know his prayers are getting answered. That's all I gotta say. I can <laughs> I think you for that, Miss Joy's... Uh, uh, Who was it? Did, uh, Noel won it, I think, or something like that. And, you know, And all that stuff. But, you know, they enjoy that. It's exciting. Now, you say, well, Brother Phil, then that's bribery. No, really, that don't mean anything. That's not right. Well, they memorize the verse. They get a blessing, right? Plus, what does it say? Hide the word in my heart that I may not sin against thee later. I dare say... If I gave you a list of verses when you left tonight, hey, if I see you Sunday for every verse, give you a piece of candy on Sunday. Don't be like, keep your candy. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I said, hey, uh, memorize verses, now that doesn't appeal to you anymore, does it? piece of candy do not appeal to a lot of you anymore. All right. Um, memorize a verse. For every verse you memorize will give you a dollar. Now we're talking, Brother Phil, all right, let's go. There is all of a sudden joy in that, right? But here, I think, is what's supposed to happen between child and adult. What does Paul say? When I was a child, I thought I was a child, I acted as a child, but I put away childish things. means I grew up, I matured. It means we ought to get to a point we don't need certain things that we need as a child to help probe us to do the things in our life we're supposed to do because we should do it because of our love for God. That'll be a joy to us. Now, I know there's circumstances and different things that happen. I understand that. But all these things you see here is saying, he's saying, don't do it grievous. Don't do it with a begrudging obedience because I dare say begrudging obedience over and over again, does not trump occasional obedience done with joy. You say, well, at least I'm here. Well, at least I give. At least I do this. You have that mentality. It doesn't scream joy. It screams, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. You know, In the mentality of this, doing it with joy. Okay? All right, that was a great one. We love that. All right, so number one, love for God is shown by joyful obedience. Okay. Number two, all right, and we're kind of looking at this, the basis. So we're talking about this joyful obedience, okay? Uh, so the basis, basically, of this joyful obedience is this. The power of salvation to overcome the world. So when we get joyful obedience down, we get the power of salvation to overcome the world. Now, you say, what do you mean by that? Okay, what do you mean, we, you know, through this joyful obedience, we get the power of salvation to overcome uh, the world? Look, look in verse number 4 again. And by the way, look at the first word. It says, for. There's something special about that word there. It's signifying the basis on what went before. What has just been talked about. For means, because of this, because of what I've just talked about, it says, for whosoever now, or for whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. Okay? Now, this is what I mean by this. And I I try to give you a lot of notes here, too, that you can look along. Our love for God obeys him freely and joyfully. Do you, let me ask you, do you feel like you obey God freefully, meaning you hold back nothing, and do you do it joyfully? I tell you, there's certain things that God, when I read his word, or he puts me in a circumstance, or puts me in a situation, that sometimes I'm like, yes, yeah, ooh, I don't know about that, God. Yeah, put the brakes on that right now. I try to, I like to read, I like to listen to messages and different things, and I was listening to something today. I like hearing stories about missionaries and different things like that. And I was listening to a particular missionary sermon today. And this missionary was talking about how, how, God, how God loves the world. And I'm just excited thinking, yeah, God loves the world. And everybody that's doing the different things they're doing for God, telling people about Christ across the world how wonderful it is. And I'm Amen And I'm doing I'm just excited about it. I'm sitting there listening, you know. I'm just listening, trying not to scare other people in my house. You know, I'm excited. I'm listening to it. And then it says, and you know, the Bible says the laborers are few. I'm like thinking, amen, that's right. And then the missionary said this very important thing if all that's true, pray that if it's God's will, he'll send your children. And I went, now I agree with everything up to a point, right? I mean, I love the idea of God using people here. Now, don't get me wrong. The people next door to you, God loves just as much as that person in the deepest, darkest part of Asia or Africa. But what I mean by that is I shouldn't say, okay, God, I love you. I want your power on my life, but don't touch this. Or don't touch this. I won't obey you here, because this is too much. And and when you read this verse and this passage, it's not just our love for God obeys him freely and joyfully. But something for us to understand is this. It's not only without restriction, but because of our salvation, the allure or the drawing of the world is broken and it loses its power. That's why he says in this verse here, look again in verse 4, "...for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world." What it's saying is this, because of our salvation, because of the new birth, because of any man being Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things become new." Because of our salvation, the draw and pull and the lure of, your world, of the world, if you will, is broken and it loses its power. That means this. Somebody that's not saved, the only thing that has their focus and desire is whatever the world is offering. That's the goal. That's the brass ring. But when you put your faith and trust in Christ, salvation through Christ breaks it to where, yes, that influence is still there. But that's not the goal. Yes, it's still pulling on me to live that way, to act that way, to think that way, to be that way. But that's not the pull that I need to go to. That chain has been broken. And because that chain has been broken, it loses its power. And it gives me the ability to what? See God in his holiness. Let me ask you a question. Just think about it like this. Somebody that does not have a relationship with Christ. Okay, somebody, I'm not talking about God's convicting them about salvation. I mean, somebody that may be good, may be awful, whatever. Someone that, does not, that is not saved, is God or the holiness of God attractive to them? No. Why is it? Because there's no relationship. There's no desire there. There's no Holy Spirit inside of them drawing them. And the reason he says that we can overcome the world off the basis of our salvation and serving him out of joyful obedience is this, is that I want to tell you, when I'm joyfully serving Christ, I want to be like him. When my obedience is joyful obedience, it's not out of uh, something I have to do, then to be holy as I am holy is not a, oh man, I've got to do this and I can't do this. No, it's exciting. It's powerful. It's alluring. It's beautiful. It's something that I want to have in my life. You know, you think about yourself. When have there been times in your life, maybe you're hopefully in this time right now, that man, you just you wanted more of God's word. You wanted more, you wanted to grow more, you want to learn more about God. You just you're like a sponge. More, 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 more church, more reading the Bible, more praying, more, more, more. That's what you wanted. You know why? Because the things of God were a joy. The things of God weren't a chore. And when we get that way, that's when it looks that way. But can I tell you something? In my life, in my life, when the things of God become, when these things become a chore or something I have to do, I'm back under the allure and the drawing power of the world because sin starts looking better. Now, I won't say it out loud, but sin starts looking better than the holiness of God because of that. And that's what it's talking about here. But it says we have the power of to overcome the world. And that's by salvation. Salvation through Christ. It's broken it. God and his holiness becomes attractive. It's not burdensome. I, I, I asked you this. Tell me some ways. I know I already said some stuff earlier. Tell me some ways that we can worship God. So, singing? Songs? Praying? What? Yeah, thanking him. Praying? Reading the word? Praising him, yep. Acts of service, absolutely. What about this? Telling somebody else? That's a way we can praise him. They may not accept him or not. Not everybody accepted Christ when he spoke to them either. The rich young ruler turned away. All of that's praising. But now, and this is something I want you to totally do totally in, inwardly, Okay? Those things we just mentioned, praying, singing, thanking him, acts of service, telling people, is any of that when you hear it make you think, "Yes, I want that opportunity." Or does that make you think, "Oh, man, I got to do that." If the idea is, "Man, I got to do that," then guess what has the power over you? The world does. But it doesn't have to. That's the cool thing. It doesn't have to. Now, I'm telling you this because it's Wednesday night. We're all this, we're all preaching to the choir here. I got it. Okay? But if we're not careful, here, here's, here's my thing. This is why this is a Wednesday night message, not a Sunday morning message. Because you and I, a lot of us that make, that make church and make God, if we're not careful, it becomes part of our life, it becomes part of our routine. You know what I mean? I'm naturally going to wake up in the morning and think to myself, go to the table, eat some food, pray over my food, go get my Bible, read my Bible, pray for a moment, close it, go study for the sermon, go study for this, do this, do that, do that. And it's not that they're bad things, right? They're great. But if I'm not careful, those are things that I have to do, not that I want to do. You know what I mean? That I want to do. I can't tell you how many times, <laughs> and this is sad, I feel like, well, I've got to go to church. i got to preach. And I'm thinking, oh, I better do it. I don't want to disappoint anybody. You know, I want to do You know, that. But can I tell you the times that I've been like, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to tell someone about you. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to trust you. Because I'm going to have to trust you in this. This is going to have to be a God thing because there ain't no way I can figure this out. Thank you, God, for this. It's rejoicing the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's that thing. Hey, thank you, God, for giving because it's going to be really cool because I ain't got it to give. But this means you're going to show up and you're going to make it work. Thank you, God, for how you're going to do it. You know, and those are mentalities and all this stuff. And then God does something. Can I tell you, God doesn't do much in my life when I do it grievously or begrudgedly? He doesn't do much. He's just like, okay, I'm not what you're seeking. I'm not what has the power in your life. And then number three, we see this. So we're talking about the salvation gives us the power to overcome the world. And so, number three, when we start looking at this, this this power, you know what it does? It does this. It breaks the spell of sin, and it makes the will of God beautiful. What this power does, it breaks the spell of sin, and it makes the will of God beautiful, not burdensome. And here's, here's what it is. It's going to come down to the last two words of the verse four, okay? You say, Brother Phil, that's great. I love how you say I'm supposed to joyfully obey. I like how you say my salvation allows me to overcome the world. But how do I do that? How is this spell broken? How is the will of God made beautiful? Look at the verse, the end of verse 4. Okay? And this is the victory that overcometh the world. John says, I'm going to tell you, you can have it, and this is what it is. Even our faith. You know what that means? Faith? We sang a song, I think it was... Was it Sunday night, Miss Janie? Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. You're here Sunday night, we sang that song. Great song. We don't do it a whole lot. Wonderful song. Just, and by the way, I didn't pick that song on purpose for that Sunday night to preach this. It's just God's that good. Okay? You ever sometimes get a chance, pick up the handbook, look up faith is the victory. You got First John 5 written all over it. It's what you got. The victory is this. It's kind of like we have these outlet receptacles all in this room. The power is there. You got to tap into it. got to tap into it. How do I tap into the power to overcome the world that's pulling me away, that's pulling my family away, that's hurting my relationships? How do I... How do I have joy, (laughs) joyful obedience and all this? Faith. Faith. That's how. And faith makes the will of God not just visible, but beautiful. See, what do you mean? I know I keep running to the go to church thing. Uh, I'll just throw this out. You ask some people, hey, you going to church Sunday? Well, yeah, I guess. If I can get this and it's not beautiful. It's not beautiful. But whenever you have that power of God in your faith, in your faith in God, man, go to church. Yeah, I'll be there. Read your Bible. Well, I'm just plugging in that one. Serving somebody. Hey, we got an opportunity to serve somebody, do an act of service. Hey, you can do that? Well, if I don't have something better to do, I just might do it then. It's not beautiful. Beautiful, you run to it. Beautiful, you want it. Beautiful you want to be with it. That's what you desire. Because and that's what that's what this power will do. That's what salvation will do. Our our faith does what? It makes the will of God beautiful. It makes it beautiful what you want. And, and I, I think I had it in your notes. I know I got it in mine. If you think about it, there's a progression here. There's the gospel. The gospel is presented to you, the gospel. And then you have salvation. And then you have faith in your life. I'm not talking about faith of salvation, but I'm, you are saved by faith, I know, by grace and mercy of God. But then you have faith in your life. If I don't have my faith, if my faith in God is right, is right, my obedience will be joyful and right. But if my faith in God is lacking, then my obedience will not be joyful. It won't be. I may still obey, but I will do it grievously, begrudgingly. But whenever I have the gospel and I have salvation and I have faith and I have the faith to what obey with joy. And it's in that order. It's in that order. And so we see this train of thought that it talks about here, that faith, that faith overcomes the world. It overcomes that enslaving power and that draw. By the world to our hearts, it keeps us from being enslaved to the world. That's what it does. Faith leads us to obedience and to obey God with freedom and with joy. And, and faith does this. Faith makes God beautiful. Someone that gets to the point, and we've all probably done this to some degree. When you get bitter at God and you ask God why in a, not a question like, God, can you help me, but you get angry at God, what happened? Your faith got shook. And if your faith gets shaken, your joyful obedience to God will probably dwindle away. And it won't look beautiful, God and his will. God and his will will look like a burden that you have to bear. And we won't have this. We won't see things for what they really are. And I wrote this last thing on the bottom here is this. And it's kind of a prayer I have here. It says, May God confirm the, this spiritual reality of, of every born-again believer at Emmanuel by overcoming the power of the world in our, in our lives. So may we all get to the point that we realize that this right here is not the goal. But if I do this with joy, you know where it's coming from? It's stemming out of what? Faith. And that faith stems from a salvation that I have in Christ. And that's why John says in verse number 2, By this shall ye know that you are the children of God, overcoming the world. Appreciate you being here tonight. We'll close in prayer, and if you would, let's stand together.